You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the first episode of Lighthouse Look Back. My name is Noel Fogelman. Be sure to subscribe to the Lighthouse Hockey Channel on iTunes and wherever podcasts are found. Lighthouse Look Back is a podcast where we catch up with former Islanders, whether they have played just one game or hundreds with the team. Tom Pody was drafted in the third round of the 1996 draft by the Edmonton Oilers. The defenseman played 14 years in the league. After playing four seasons with the Oilers, the Rangers acquired Pody and Rem Murray in exchange for Mike York and a fourth-round pick in the 2002 draft. Pody played three-plus seasons with the Rangers, setting career-high in goals and points in the 2002-3 season. The Massachusetts native joined the Crosstown rival Islanders as general manager Neil Smith signed him to a one-year deal on July 8, 2006. Tom was a welcome addition to the Islanders' blue line, logging a career-high 25 minutes per game. Pody scored all of his six goals on the power play and set a career-high with 38 assists. Like much of the veterans on the 2006-07 team, Pody left via free agency, signing a four-year deal with the Washington Capitals on July 1, 2007. Pody played five seasons with the Caps. Unfortunately, injuries ended his career and announced his retirement on May 1, 2014. Tom fills me in on what he's up to now. So right now I'm living on Cape Cod. Um, I had a summer home here on the Cape for about, maybe about 15 years while I was playing. My, my family used to vacation down the Cape uh, one week every summer. Fell in love with the place, and I bought a house there when I turned pro. And now my family lives down there uh, full-time, uh, my wife and I, and uh, my three kids. My oldest son, Tyler, who's 10 years old, or 9 years old, actually, uh, turns 10 in a couple months. He's actually playing hockey right now, so I coach 
his team and all his little friends and buddies, and you know, it kind of helps keep me uh, connected to the game. Yeah, that's great. I, I also have a son, Tyler. He just turned uh, four months. <laughs> oh, nice, awesome. Yeah, yeah. You're <laughs> not sleeping much. You know, he is like the um, abnormal baby because he sleeps like 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 a baby, like like a gem, and and it's you know. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, all all, all our parent friends are all jealous, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. yeah. Did was there any pressure for him to play hockey, or is that something that he wanted to do on his own? He just kind of fell in love with it. Um, he was born right around the time I was with the Capitals. So my wife would bring him to the games, and he always wanted to come in the locker room and play knee hockey with all the kids. And, you know, he got to be about three or four years old. We put him in some skate lessons, and he liked it. And, you know, we tried him out with soccer and uh, a bunch of different sports and baseball, and he just kind of always just said, I want to play hockey, I want to play hockey. So we didn't fight it, and, you know, he loves it to this day and, and always wants to play. And um, he really enjoys it, so kind of happy he did. But if he didn't, then that's okay too, you know. Right, absolutely. Because my my oldest son just turned fifteen, and he's a very big hockey fan. But I never wanted to pressure him into playing hockey or you know any other sport. I just kind of wanted him to pick what he you know wanted to do, and he ended up picking soccer. Right. And but you know, but Tyler, I think I want to you know kind of nudge him into hockey and see if he likes it. You <laughs> know. There you go. Yeah, yeah no, the, the biggest thing is, you know, if the kids love it, they're going to get better at it. They're going to enjoy it. They're going to want to do it. It makes all the world a difference. You can't, can't force anything on the kids these days. Right. Absolutely. Now, like you've, uh, like in your career, you've, you know, been, you know, with a bunch of different coaches, you know, from the Olympics with Herb Brooks and then Islanders at Ted Nolan. Did you kind of take anything from what you learned from those two or other coaches that you had and kind of brought into your coaching style? Of course. Um, you know, I definitely, it's obviously a lot different coaching the youth kids. Um, the one thing I kind of took from, you know, most of my coaches I had in the NHL and college was, you know, you really kind of have to treat everybody um, a little bit different. Obviously, you coach the team as a whole, but you have to treat all the kids a little bit differently because everybody is different. You know, some kids need a pat on the back more. Some kids need, uh, you know, a little bit more pressure to, to go out and do good. And, you know, you got to kind of, really find out what works for each individual kid and try to, you know, help them succeed as best as, as you can, you know. So I've kind of taken that into play a little bit. Um, you know, with certain coaches I had, like, you know, some kids, some coaches would yell at a kid and that would motivate him and other coaches would be super positive to a kid and that would motivate him. So I try to take uh, all the things that I've learned over the years and try to, you know, put it into my coaching style and, and try to help the kids as best as I can. Right. I mean, now with like you know all the news breaking about like you know, coaches and juniors and now NHL, can can you be like aggressive with a kid? Like, I, I wouldn't say like you know verbally or physically abuse him, but like kind of like motivate him kind of loudly, so to speak. To a point. I mean, obviously you can't really. I mean, the kids I'm coaching are eight, nine, and ten years old, so I don't really scream and yell at any of them. Right. You know what I mean, so. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, you, you really can't do that kind of stuff these days, and. You know, obviously it was uh, prevalent in the past where, you know, coaches would yell and scream at guys. And, um, you know, you don't really see that happening now, especially I think moving forward it's probably going to happen even less, you know, with all the stuff that's kind of coming out. People are going to start to start to get really nervous to do it, you know what I mean? So, Right. And but, now, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that all the coaches that are, are kind of doing stuff like that, whether it's, you know, yelling and screaming or doing stuff there, 
they're trying to do their best to, to get the most out of the kids that they're coaching and you know everybody's style is a little bit different and um you know they're, they're, they're at the end of the day they're they're trying to do their best too you know so right now i'm sure the parents know that you're you're a former nhl player do they give you a little more leeway that you actually played professionally of course not okay. <laughs> <laughs> not 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 the parents these days i mean you you would believe you would think like okay we our coach is a my son's coach is a 15-year NHL veteran, you know, had a lot of success in the game. You would think they would just let you coach, but, you know, they're all talking about, I saw this video on YouTube, and how come <laughs> we're not doing it like this? And um, It's pretty comical, some of the stories that you do have from YouTube and, you know, how the, all the parents that, you know, a lot of them never played before, but they're all experts in the game, and, you know, they know exactly what's best for their kid, and, you know, you just kind of sit back and laugh a little bit at it. You don't take it too serious, uh, because I know that, you know, they're trying to do the best thing for their kids and what they believe in, and, you know, you just, it's part of coaching. You know, you got to kind of coach the parents, too, not just the kids these days. Right. Have you always coached uh, your son? Uh, yes. Yeah, ever since he started coaching, obviously, it kind of worked out. When he started playing on his first team, I was retired, um, so it kind of worked out that I was able to coach. And, um worked out good we have a good relationship with you know me coaching him and um he seems to enjoy it and i enjoy it you know it's worked out so far right now like when he obviously gets older and moves on you know possibly juniors or even you know high school you know, high school level or something like that were you going to kind of take a step back and like allow their you know his coach to coach and you'd kind of just be the fan of course yeah at some point you have to kind of release him and um you know i try to put him on different teams and different things where you know, summer programs or spring programs where he does have a different coach because I don't want to be the only one coaching him. It's good for him to learn from other people and, and hear a different voice and, and do different stuff with different coaches. So, yeah, at some point um, I will have to step back and, you know, I have no problem doing that at all and, you know, uh, just kind of sitting back and watching and, you know, seeing where, where he goes. Right. You, you're not going to go up to his, you know, future coach and say, you know, I, I have clips on YouTube of myself and I think he should play like this. <laughs> No, not at all. Only because I, I, I've encountered that with a lot of uh, other parents and other people. So I, I know what not to do and what not to say. Right. Now, you got drafted by the the Oilers. You know, you made all-rookie team. Um, what was that experience like playing playing for the Oilers? Uh, you know, all the rich history and stuff like that. Um, let's talk about your time with them real quick. It was great. Um, obviously, I was... Projected to be a first-round pick, uh, top 15 overall. They had a little draft party for the top 15 um, predicted picks. I was invited to that. Um, first round went, didn't get drafted. Second round went, I didn't get drafted. It was about maybe 10, 9, 10 picks into the third round, and Edmonton goes up, and they selected me. And I was kind of like, oh, man, Edmonton. Right. Like, obviously, being from Boston area, I was like, couldn't possibly get further away from my hometown. <laughs> exactly. Um but it actually kind of worked out awesome that I was drafted by them. Um, you know, I was able to make the team coming out of college. I didn't have to play any time in the American League. And when I got there, we had some awesome guys up there for me to kind of learn from and kind of play with. You know, Dougie Waite, Billy Garrett, Kelly Buckberger, Marty McSorley, uh, long list of guys um, who really helped me out and, and kind of showed me what, what it takes to be a professional. And, we had a lot of young guys, too, a lot of college guys on the team, too, so it was kind of fun. We all got to hang out together and, and kind of do stuff together, and, you know, we were uh, 
we were a really close-knit group of guys, and, you know, we made the playoffs every year I was there. So, you know, it was a lot of fun being part of that. Right. And then you get traded to the Rangers, which, you know, closer, you know, to, to your you know, home in Massachusetts. But they, they had a stretch where they did not make the playoffs for a while. And, you know, being an Islander fan, I was not broken up about that. But, right. yeah. <laughs> But um, how it was a lot of pressure on you because that was kind of the end of Brian Leach's tenure with the Rangers. He ends up getting traded, ironically, to the Bruins. But uh, there was a lot of right. pressure on you to kind of like replace him there. Right. So when I when I came over, I uh, I got traded to the Rangers and I got traded for Mike York, who at the time was a fan favorite. You right. know, they uh, really liked Mike. They liked Yorkie. Um, so they were kind of already had a little bit of angst towards me, I guess, because right. they just got traded for a fan favorite, one of their favorite players. Um, I remember first game, they announced my name as whatever starting lineup. I got booed in the first game. I showed <laughs> up because um, they weren't happy about it. But whatever, I ended up getting nine points in my first 11 games as a Ranger. Um, played really well. Next year, I had uh, 48 points, played in the All-Star game, was averaging – you know, 25-ish minutes a night, playing all the time. We uh, we unfortunately did not make the playoffs, um, so I was kind of bummed out about that. This first time I hadn't been in the playoffs, and you know, then the team started kind of spiraling. They kind of changed over the guard, changed the coach, brought in a bunch of new guys, and um, you know, it just kind of was a, a tough situation for a couple of years over there. You know, with losing, when you're losing, obviously they have to pick a scapegoat and find somebody to blame. And obviously, Nolichi was at the end of his career, um, which was, I mean, I loved playing with him. We were deep partners for a while. Yeah. Um, great guy, great, uh, had a great influence on my career. I loved playing with him. I think people almost kind of looked at it like, oh, he's here to take over for Leachy, which, I mean, no one can fill that guy's shoes. Obviously, he's a Hall of Famer and an unbelievable player in person. And um, we got a new coach new coach came in and didn't even put me on the power play. Right. So I was like, that was kind of my bread and butter was the power play guy. And that's how I put up my points. And you know, I knew I made my mistakes defensively. I was, I was out there to put up points and, and score goals and do things like that, which I had always done in my whole career. New coach kind of came over and I wasn't on the power play. Um, and I wasn't getting a lot of points. So everyone kind of looked at it like, you know, what's this guy doing here type of thing and just kind of spiraled for a while. And then, Ultimately, my contract was up with the Rangers. Um, they offered me a new contract to stay, and I said, you know what, I think I'm going to you know, look elsewhere, try to find something else that's a better fit where I can kind of be a power play guy and kind of get back to having fun and enjoying the game. And uh, Neil Smith came calling, and he ended up signing me, and he said, you know, I really want you to come in and take over and run our power play. And, you know, I, I love hearing those words. And, um you know, that year with the Islanders was up to that point the best year in my career as far as the most fun I had, the most enjoyable coaches, the most enjoyable group of guys. And we were kind of a bunch of cast-offs, really. Right. You know, no one really seemed to want some of us. And, you know, our, uh, our GM had just gotten fired after we signed a bunch of us. And yeah. No one gave us a shot in hell of, of doing anything at all. And, um, you know, we ended up making the playoffs. I think in the last game of the year, we ended up getting the a point out of a shootout or something like that or yes. two points in the shootout um, and it, it was just a fun year all around like I loved playing for uh, Teddy Nolan Danny Flynn and Danny Lacroix they were a great coaching staff and I had a great relationship with those guys I they kept me out on the ice the whole game pretty much my tongue was dragging some of the games <laughs> I played almost almost 30 minutes every single night and you know I had 40 something points and I was on the power play and PK and 
So I had an unbelievable year. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, um, and you um, playing under the Islanders. Yeah, you scored all your goals on the power play that year. I think you had uh, six goals sure. that year, and you had career high in assists and whatnot. But you know, the Islanders get you know uh, Stanley Cup winning GM and Neil Smith after you know a long time with uh, dealing with Mike Milbury. Uh, like you said, he gets fired. You know, Pat Lafontaine was an advisor. He kind of quit, and then all of a sudden, the backup goaltender Garth Snow is the GM now. Was it kind of like an easy feeling for you guys, or it was just at that point you really just kind of blocked it off? You you just focus on the ice. You have your new, your new coach in Ted Nolan. No, I think you know. I think Teddy was the perfect guy for the job that year. You know, he's an OBS kind of guy. Right. He said, "You come to work, you come to play hard. You're gonna play." He's like, "No questions asked." He's like, "If you work hard, I'll play you as much as I can possibly get you guys out there." And everybody kind of bought into that, you know, and we had just a hardworking group of guys and a hardworking team, and, you know, we we weren't worried about what was happening in the front office and what was going on with all that stuff. We were there to play and, you know, earn our checks and, and have a good time, and, um, you know, Teddy was a perfect coach for us at, at that time and um, loved having him and playing for him. Right, and ironically, you got to play with Mike York, who you got traded for, and he uh... – was traded that season to the Islanders for Michael Pekka, who was the captain. It was a fan favorite. But, um, yeah, so you playing with Yorkie must have been interesting. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I had known Yorkie for a long time. We played World Juniors together. Um, so we've kind of been around each other for a long time. And uh, he's a year younger than I am, so we had played, like, some, some tournaments and stuff like that growing up and things like that. So I, I've known Yorkie all along. Played in the Olympics together with him under Herb Brooks, so... Uh, it was cool to be able to play with him because I had always kind of been playing against him, so it was kind of nice that, you know, we were both there together. Right, and you mentioned the Olympics, uh, you know, playing for Herb Brooks. Uh, you know, that team was pretty much, I don't say carbon copy, but a majority of the team was from 1998 when it was, you know, very disappointing in, in Japan. You guys had, a, you know, a great run to the gold medal uh, game. Uh, ironically, it was like, I think it was tw- the anniversary of the Miracle on Ice was the semifinal game against Russia. Uh, that experience right. must have been like, you know, a dream for you to play in the Olympics and get a medal. It was awesome. I mean, yeah, just to, you know, look behind the bench and see Herb Brooks back there. Obviously, the guy's a legend and right. what he did for the Americans and for USA Hockey, just to, you know, be able to play for him and, and obviously uh, Coach Cunniff as well, who was kind of running the D back then. Um, you know, it was a dream come true to be able to do that. And, you know, we had an awesome tournament. We kind of blew through everybody. Um, we beat Russia in the semis. Uh, Canada kind of had a little bit of an easier game, I think, because Sweden got knocked out. Right. So they kind of breezed through the semis and kind of were a little bit more well-rested for the the gold medal game. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest things I think that hurt us was uh, Keith Dechuk, who was probably our best forward at the time, during that tournament, got a bad Charlie horse, and, and he couldn't play in the gold medal That's game. That's right. So that, you know, we lost our best guy. And, uh, you know, we just kind of, that was the first game that we really struggled in the whole tournament. And uh, we ended up losing, and you know, kind of stunk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, do you do you favor you know the NHL going back to the Olympics? What's that? Do you favor the NHL going back to the, the Olympics? I, I do. Um, you know, I had such an awesome time when I was there. Um, it's nice for those guys to be able to experience it, and I think anytime you you get a best on best tournament, it's kind of what the fans want to watch and be part of. Um, but I also understand that if, if they want to keep it for the amateurs too, I, I, I don't have a problem with that either. Uh, you know, I'm okay with whatever they do, but you know, 
if they do go back to amateurs, like it should be amateurs for every team, not just right. the Americans. Like the, you know, they can't send the the Russian NHLers. Or, I mean, the Russian KHLers or the Russian pros. Like, it's either going to be completely amateurs, I'm okay with it, or if it's going to be all NHL guys, best on best. Um, it's, it's fun to watch for as a spectator to watch best on best with the pros, or if it's just all totally amateurs, that's also fun to watch too. Yeah, I, I agree. It just felt like the the previous Olympics just felt like it was empty. You know, there was something was really missing there. Right. Yeah, everybody kind of knew who was going to win because you know they had the Russians had all the pros. And, yeah. You know, it just wasn't fair. It's, I mean, kind of like how it was in the past. Right. Yeah. Now back to that season with the Islanders. Um, the trade deadline. You know, Garth. You know, made a big splash his first year. They got Richard Zegnick, and then the big deal getting. Uh, Speaking of, you know, Canada was uh, Ryan Smith at that deadline, right. like you know, basically four o'clock at that deadline, and he had the you know the tearful press conference, you know, leaving. Uh, what was he like as a teammate? And he got kind of helped you get over the top and make the playoffs. Definitely did. I mean, he, I played with him in Edmonton for three years. I was up there, so I known him pretty well. He's a meat and potatoes type of guy. Right. He goes to the net hard, plays hard, cleans up all the garbage in front of the net. He's a good teammate. Like, you know, he'll run through the wall for you. And, uh, you know, it was nice that he uh, ended up coming back and, and playing with playing with me. And, um, you know, it was a lot of fun to have him. And he definitely helped us throughout that stretch drive get into the playoffs. Right. And you, uh, it was weird because you guys lost four games. And then you really needed to, like, run the table the last four games, which you guys did. And you spoke about the um, the last game against the Devils that went into a shootout. You guys gave up a goal that I think maybe five seconds left in the game. And then Wade Dubowitz, you know, it's like basically a Cinderella story. You have, you know, D.P. You know, who was hurt. Then you have Dubowitz, you know, come in and, and go on that magic run for you guys and that little poke check on the, um, the um, shootout. Right, yeah, no, I remember – um, Mike Dunham was also our goalie. He right. had got hurt. DiPietro had got hurt. Um, we were winning by a goal, I think. And I think um, that New Jersey scored with like two seconds left on the clock or just, just something ridiculous. Like, oh, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? We were all like, oh, no. That's not good. That's not a good sign. Um, and we ended up, obviously, you know, winning it in the shootout. But, yeah, it was, uh, you know, Doobie was back there. You know, just – kind of tense because we all wanted to get the playoffs so bad and you know that was our goal all year long to to, to make the playoffs and, and then be a part of the NHL playoffs and give ourselves a chance to help yeah and then you know you you had a, a great run towards the end of the year too I think you had nine points in your last six games to you know really help uh the team and then you guys had a tough series against the, the Sabres I know it lost in five but I remember I think it was a really bad call I think one of the games that kind of kind of swung the game the other way but uh I think, and they also won the President's Trophy, I think, that year. So it was kind of like a, you know, David versus Goliath situation. Right, yeah. And I think it was one versus eight or whatever it was. Yeah. Something like that. And Buffalo had a really good team. I think they went pretty far that year. Um, we knew we had our hands full. And, you know, I think, yeah, it was one or two tough calls in that series that kind of, you know, really hurt us. And, uh, you know, that was kind of the difference, you know. Right. And then, uh, you know, you signed a one-year deal with the Islanders, and they had a lot of uh, free agents, you know, that year, you know, Ryan Smith was basically a rental. I think Jason Blake left and Randy Robitaille, a couple other players. Was there ever uh, a thought of you re-signing with the Islanders? I had wanted to go back, you know, to be honest with you. Um, I had told Snowy I'd like to come back. He kind of low-balled me, didn't make me a great offer. And I said to him, I said, you know, I got 
I got a better offer. Already, I said, if you guys are interested in maybe matching it, I'll come. And yeah, I don't know if you didn't believe me or I thought I was trying to put one over on it or whatever. And, uh, you know, day one of free agency, July 1, I was the first guy to sign with the Capitals. They called me. They said, I really want you. You know, we, we envisioned you playing with Ovi and, and Alexander Semin and, uh, you know, running our power play. And I said, you know what? The Islanders had their chance. They dropped the ball. And uh, things went really great there. We won a ton of games and never got it done, but, um, you know, had an awesome time there. And uh, my son was born and, you know, really, really enjoyed my time in Washington and, and spent six years on it. Yeah, you, you had some really good years and, you know, a really unfortunate injury. But I think uh, Snow kind of lowballed a lot of people. I don't know if that was from the, the ownership, but you, you certainly were missed after that after that one year, which was a really, you know, fantastic year for the Islanders. No, yeah, and like I said, I, I, I love being down there. Like, everything was so close. It was a two-minute ride to the rink, right. five-minute ride to the practice rink. And I loved playing for Teddy Nolan. Like, he's he was a great coach and really enjoyed playing for him and, uh, liked all the guys on the team and the Islanders, and it just wasn't a fit. Went to Washington and uh, enjoyed my time there. And, you know, had a great time there. And, you know, did a lot of good things. I won a lot of games, and uh, it, it was fun, too. Yeah. And then one last question. Since you were on both sides of the, the Islander rivalry, what, what was that like, you know, being on both sides and what um, what fan base was kind of more neurotic, so to speak? <laughs> They're both pretty passionate. Um I think the one thing I always remembered was it seemed like when we played the Rangers at the Coliseum, it seemed like there was almost too many Ranger fans there. I don't know how they always get all the tickets and right. stuff, but it seemed like there was always like not more Ranger fans than Islander fans, but there was just enough to them to get their chance going and get all that stuff going. So um, I kind of always wished that you know it was more more uh, more Islander fans at the Coliseum, but you know, both groups of fans are very passionate, and uh, you know, I guess I would say I enjoy the Islander fans, you know, way more than the Rangers. Right, and I think yep. they're a little more educated about hockey, and you know, they kind of you know stick with their team. You know, they don't you know cry and get upset if the team's losing or whatever. They stick with what they got, still cheering all the way through, and. You know, they were a big reason that we made the playoffs that year, I think, because they, they stood behind us. So it's a very small, passionate fan base. It's not, you know, corporate like the Rangers, very, you know, work pal mentality. And, uh, you know, they, they definitely appreciated you uh, that year, uh, Tom. This was really, really great. I really appreciate your time. Oh, yeah, no problem. And a special thanks to Tom Pody for joining us today. If you have a player suggestion of who, who we should have on the show, Hit me up on Twitter at the first Noel one nine or at LHH Podcasts. Make sure you read LighthouseHockey.com every day for your Islander news and insight. And check out all the other shows we have on the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network: Isles Buzz, Islanders Anxiety, PT Isles, My Favorite Islanders Game, and Islander Award Winners. A new episode might come out every month or bi-weekly. We've been having such great feedback from former players about coming on the show. So just look for the next episode coming soon. And don't forget our, about our sponsor, VintageIceHockey.com. A ton of logos for defunct teams and leagues. One of the newest ones, the Capital District Islanders. We will have former players who have played for Capital District. Use the code BUZZ15 for 15% off. That's VintageIceHockey.com. We'll see you on the very next episode of the Lighthouse Lookback.